Non-League Wanderers is a Mainstand Musings original podcast. Enjoy! Hello. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to this not... <laughs> Right, we're going to start them again, start them again. We've got it out of our system. We've got it out of our system now. Can't be that funny again. Right. This is when it starts. Hello and welcome to a very special edition. In fact, it is a special edition of the Non-League Wanderers. Uh, in a, a moment, in a matter of moments, we'll be joined by Lewis Ainley, a correspondent that has been to a non-league club's ground, actually for an FA Cup game, but a non-league uh, club's ground this week for us, he's going to report on that I'm Ike Tendley <laughs> I know, <laughs> and you join us in the middle of a church service, are you enjoying it James? Yeah yeah, um, yeah it's, it's very nice of them to let us uh, do the podcast today in uh, such a special place really means a lot to us um, we will be doing a Who Am I, we'll be doing An Old Boy, we'll be doing non-league news as normal. It's a special because, unfortunately, me and James haven't been able to get to a non-league game this week. What have we been up to, James? Um, we're doing little uh, bits and bobs, haven't we? We, uh, we play football in the night yep. uh, on the same team, so uh, yeah. no in-house rivalry yet. Uh, but I thought we quite, played quite formidably down at soccer in the city. We did yeah. OK. Fitness levels were... Were low. <laughs> Left a lot to be desired. Yeah, um, but uh, shout out to the new associates boys who were uh, putting a good performance. I thought it was a good first session. I thought it was good. Hopefully, we can get doing it a bit more regularly, get the fitness levels up, so that we don't have to take very regular drinks breaks. It well, was like we were playing in Brazil. It was. It was awful. To be fair, though, if Charlie come along looking, we're ready to step up, aren't we? Can't wait for the scouts to be lingering <laughs> in that warehouse that we were playing. <laughs> Well, I was at a, an actual game. I've been to two actual games of football. Actually, I've been to. I went to Burnley under twenty threes against Sheffield United under twenty threes, where Roy Keane and Martin O'Neill. It's funny how we say it that way around. But Martin O'Neill's the actual manager, but yeah. Roy Keane's the more who you lead with. Gets the headline, doesn't he? That was good. Um, I also went to Manchester City against Burnley. Not so good. Not so good for you. Yeah, well, from the week, we actually came up with a positive aggregate because we lost 5-0 at City, but we beat Sheffield United under 23-6-0. So we're one goal up. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. My favourite bit, I was just telling James, of the City game was when... Knew him. My favourite part of the City game was... When the man, <laughs> my favourite part of the let's compose ourselves, James. We're in a place of worship. My favourite part of the city game was when a man behind me claimed that he claimed that Sean Dyche was a better manager than Pep Guardiola, based on how much time he spent in the technical area. Um, he said that Pep hadn't been out of his seat in the first 20 minutes but Sean Dyche hadn't sat down um, and apparently that's why every player in the world would prefer to play for Sean Dyche compared to Pep Guardiola that was my favourite bit you know, the, the things that football fans come out with really do really do uh, sort of surprise you endlessly along with the fact he still thought Gail Clichy played for you 
good. Yeah. Which, which, which is, doesn't. <laughs> which is simply. It's simply a lie. The, the thing is, one of our um, European qualifiers at the start of this season had Gail Clichy and he plays for Istanbul, a team that we played twice, and this guy still thought he played for City still. So that's remarkable. Anyway, this um, is an only one special, as we said, so let's get on to introducing you to Lewis Ainley. Ticket prices, getting you down. Prima donna players, they're making you frown. Whether you're down at Saturn United or up at Gearshead, you'll be delighted. Come and join us, follow our lead. Come and join us and follow non-league. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Lewis Ainley. Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, before we get on to the game that you went to at the weekend, you have prepared our Who Am I, haven't you? I have just finished preparing a Who Am I. That's how much effort I have put into this. Just uh, in time, just in time. Not a moment too soon. Yeah, it's tough, it's tough. I, I don't envisage anyone getting it, to be honest. Well, Alex should get it because he already knows who it is. Right, well, well here's, here's with the clues and James will get them down and we'll see if he can guess who the player is uh, before the end of the podcast yeah right five clues uh, of well the varying degrees of um, of usefulness really in the information in the clues uh, so clue number one I made my professional debut in 2005 and have since played for nine clubs the most games I have played for any club is 56 nice so that's, that's clue number one clue number two I have been signed at least twice by Glenn Roder. <laughs> <laughs> at least. At least. Three, and then I didn't really have time to like research if it was actually three, so it's two or three. Nice, right. Legend. Number three. I am a South African international, having represented my country five times, scoring zero goals. <laughs> That's not made it easier, not going to lie. <laughs> I have played for two clubs in the Premier League, Newcastle and Norwich. Right. Clue number five, and, and this one really isn't useful, but in a bizarre incident on, ni- on the 19th of March 2007, I was arrested by police after being caught not only drink driving, but doing so whilst only wearing my underwear. <laughs> However, yeah, it was later proved in court that I did was actually fully closed at, clothed at the time of the arrest. So, who said he was naked? <laughs> the well, police? Is, it was, you know, it was press tittle-tattle that he was naked. Oh, right. Well, then his pants. But, uh, a retraction was made of All right, well, uh, we'll see how James gets on with those. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Um, so, what was the game that you went to at the weekend, Lewis? Well, I went to what, without doubt, was the, the creme de la creme of the uh, FA Cup. Um, well, I can't remember what actually the round's called. It's the last qualifying round of the FA That's Cup. the fourth qualifying, I think. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to get it wrong. Um, so I went to lowly Dunstan UTS, or the Fed, as they're known locally, um, who were the lowest round side left in um, of the Northern League Division One, And they were playing Gateshead. It was a real local rivalry. Obviously, Dunstan's actually in Gateshead, 
technically. Um, the stadiums are seven miles apart. No, I think they're three and a half miles apart, actually. Um, I think it was a seven, seven miles if you go there and back. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah cause I saw on Twitter it was like a seven mile round trip. But yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a huge game in the Northeast, really. Not only, and the Gateshead players, this is an interesting tidbit, didn't even bother to get the team bus there. They all got Dean taxis to the game. <laughs> That's brilliant. So what was the atmosphere like? Um, it's it's a presumably a very small stadium at Dunstan. It is a very small stadium. I think James knows how many people it seats. About 150, I believe. It is about 150, most of which were, were, were filled with people who like, had claimed to be on the Dunstan committee. Whether they actually were on. <laughs> Who Newcomers, plastic fans. Yeah, that's it. I actually, to be fair, I actually know who the chairman of Dunstan is. And he actually couldn't get parked in his usual car parking space because um, it said Fan had taken his space. So he was furious. Um, it, was, it really started off the, uh, the rivalry before the game. So would it be fair to say that Gateshead were exceptionally clear favourites for this one? It would be. I mean, Gateshead, I think, are five divisions above Dunstan, if not more. Um, it's five minimum and that really showed on the pitch really as the as the game got started um, yeah they were, they were they were miles better than Dunstan on what the, was the full time score? the full time score was Dunstan nil Gateshead four um, but it was really <laughs> a, as a contest after two I mean everything was built up to be um, to be like you know this is going to be a tough game for Gateshead. It's like it's a local derby. The pitch is going to be. You'll never know how many people told me that the pitch was going to be a leveler. Um, <laughs> one of those cliches that was tried out by at least ten people before I went to the games. Like, oh, it's a tough pitch. It's a tough pitch. Gateshead won't be able to play on it. Um, it was an absolute carpet. Um, it was a lovely surface. To be fair to the Dunstan groundsman, uh, and it was four 0 over as a contest after about ten minutes when it was two 0 Gateshead. Do you know the Dunstan groundsman? I don't know the Dunstan groundsman, but I would like to shake his hand because it really was a good surface. It was covered in leaves, though. I don't know if you saw that. But um, obviously, you know, autumn's coming and couldn't quite get his leaf blower out in time before the game. <laughs> Is there a leaf blower in Dunstan? <laughs> well, I'm sure somebody in Dunstan has a leaf blower. Sure. Did, did it feel like one of those rivalries? Um, I'm not sure how often they must play each other, but... People playing it up to be a sort of fierce rivalry. Was it that, or was it just more of an amicable affair where it's two local teams coming together against a game that wouldn't normally be played? You know, it, it really wasn't a rivalry. Like I think everyone was making out to be Derby Day. Uh, it actually said in the Dunstan program that Gateshead are by far and away the biggest club we have ever played in a competitive match, which pretty much sums up the stature of Dunstan as a football club and how well they've done to get to that round. But there was. I would say the fans in the crowd were like 90% Gateshead fans. And, the, and those who weren't were like really just hoping to see Dunstan win just because of the story of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't really a rivalry. I mean, a lot of them. It was one of those where Gateshead got a little bit too big for their boots. Obviously not used to being the bigger club and started singing songs that really shouldn't be singing towards a small club like <laughs> Dunstan. Were you uh, in amongst the Gateshead fans or did you try and uh, ally yourself with the home crowd? Well, to be honest, the home crowd was pretty sparse. And, you know, I, I went with um, you know, a friend of the show. Is he a friend of the show, Liam Hannah? We call him a friend of the show. He used to do a, uh, Me and Lewis Ailey used to do a podcast together. Liam Hannah was a, a regular, shall we call him? I don't know. I can't, don't think we can give him co-host anymore. I think no. he's uh, been relegated to... A yeah. regular on uh, is, Martin Lewis's old show. He is, as we as we know, or as you might not know, listeners, he is a, an avid Gateshead fan, having been to a total of three games in his life. 
So he was <laughs> he was demanding that we went and sat inside, well, sat with, well, stood really on a grassy knoll. It can only be described as with the game. <laughs> well, that sounds exciting. <laughs> Who was the best player on the pitch? I assume not Mike Williamson. No, well, we'll get on to Mike Williamson later. The best player on the pitch, I have to say, was um, former Newcastle and Hull City player Greg Ollie. I mean, I had to listen to Liam Hanna ramble on about how he'd played in the championship and how he was a class above. Um, but it turned out he really was. Like, on the ball, he was just, like, controlling the game. He had so much time. He was, um, yeah, he was just, he just looked a cut above even the rest of the Gateshead players, never mind the, the Dunstan players. Did um, anyone from the Dunstan team catch your eye at all that, that, that shone out that they, maybe they could hack it at a higher division than Dunstan are currently in? I mean, plenty stood out, but maybe not for the reasons that you're hoping for. <laughs> I was quite... I, th- I think they actually had a bit of like an injury crisis. I was speaking to one of, someone I knew after the game. Apparently, both centre-halves that played on Saturday normally play a midfield, and they were a little bit lightweight against them. Scott Rigg, it was a, a big non-league centre-forward for Gateshead. Um, but I think Dunstan's left-back, he's captain, actually. I think he's quite a young lad. I think he's, like, our age, 23. He really stood out as quite, like, an experienced head on young shoulders to trot out another cliche. And that was uh, that was Dan Halliday. He looked like a good player. Well, perhaps there was um, a couple of scouts in the crowd. I believe it was streamed on BBC as well, was it? It was streamed on BBC, yeah. It was on uh, Sky Channel 980 and several other um, channels. There was you're a, up to no good if you're that deep, aren't you? Through the 900s, you get into dangerous territory. You mentioned Mike Williamson, but you'd get on to him. What was uh, your point about that? My point about Mike Williamson was, right, I think the reason he'd been brought in by Gateshead was to, like, well, obviously Gateshead, for those that don't know, had a massive crisis in the summer where all their players pretty much left. So Mike Williamson got took in, on a, took in on a trial. And based on what I saw on Saturday, I have no idea how he passed that trial. This is a man that's finished fifth in the Premier League and like walked out in the Europa League um, in like Benfica's stadium and stuff. And he literally looked like Gateshead's worst player. Like on the ball, there was, a, there was a ball which bounced like maybe half a yard in front of him, which he sliced out for a throw-in from <laughs> the other side of the pitch. He very well. He definitely should have been sent off for um, Dunstan striker Mark Fitzpatrick nicked in in front of him. Uh, he went through on goal into the penalty area, and Mike Williamson clearly kneed him in the back of the leg and pulled him down. The referee <laughs> waved play on when it should have been a penalty and potentially a red card. That could have been the turning point in the game for Dunstan, couldn't it? So it should have been a red card. Gateshead in general, I believe they're doing quite well this season. So yeah. it was a, it was a, an expected result for nil. But Gateshead in the league are uh, are actually possibly going above and beyond what you might expect of them. Well, I think it was it's it's fair to say that Gateshead were favourites for the drop before the uh, before the start of the season um, in the national league. Like I said, they lost all their players and had to get some new ones in, but. I've actually been really impressed with them this season. They've signed a lot of players, and they actually they seem to play some good stuff. They play they play a back three. Um, they have managed to keep on uh, friend of the show Scott Barrow, who is <laughs> a captain. Um, so yeah, he's he, he's doing a good job. I actually heard a Dunstan fan go, "Oh, that Barrow's just a cut above." He's a <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, myself. 
But yeah, they're playing some good stuff. They're playing, they're playing it through the midfield as well. And then they've got two big strikers um, up front in Rick and Burden, who would terrorise any back four, really. Absolutely any. Well, hopefully, any. Gateshead can go on and um, maybe get a big boy, and then we'll see how, how they'll terrorise them. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask, how do you think they'll do away at Rochdale, Lewis? Uh, Scotland, it's down your way. Maybe you can it get... Is. Um, well, I don't know. I think Rochdale, Rochdale are struggling, I think, this season, aren't they? Um, they obviously had their FA Cup exploits last season. Um, how can they get... Well, can they match it this season? You know, actually, Gateshead made the third round. I remember they got they went to West Brom um, in the third round uh, a few years ago, and were were well easily beaten. But that was a good day out for them. But um, I think Rochdale will be a tough opposition for Gateshead. But we'll see. The pitch might be a level there. Rochdale did make it all the way to Wembley last year, but did. only only to like the fifth round or whatever it was. <laughs> Wembley as much as Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we get on to some scores? So we give every game that we get to a score out of 10 in five categories, giving us a score out of 50. So far, we've been to Salford City, which got 24, and we have been to... Yeah, and we've been to Alteringham, which got 33. Thereabouts. So so 33 out of 50 is the score to beat, but please don't let that influence you. You know, just go completely independently. First thing that comes into your head when we say out of 10... What was Dunstan Stadium like? Um, well, it depends. Are you looking for like a quality stadium? Are you looking for like... No, the... Just how it, how it feels that the, the to be in there, what it looks like, whether it's well kept, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm going to give it a five just to be, just to be, um, you know, just to be even. There were there were a few McDonald's uh, rappers. <laughs> well, lots we had, of leaves apparently. Yeah, there were a lot of leaves. The leaf blower didn't didn't quite make it make an appearance. We had um, we had actually a difficult view because um, we were like on the back of the of the grassy knoll that I already mentioned, which meant that we had a great view of the far end because we could see everything. But anything that was like near us, everybody like it clearly wasn't built to have so many people in. So everybody in front of us just like blocked our view entirely. So there were times where like we were literally waiting to see hear if other people cheered to see if they'd been a good or not. <laughs> it's over occupied in essence. It's over occupied, and also there was a, there was a severe lack of stewarding at the game. Um, a flare was tossed onto the pitch, you know, from the Gateshead fans at four 0 Pretty <laughs> unnecessary, really. Yeah, that stopped the game for about five minutes. Groundsman would be furious. <laughs> the ground, I don't think he was happy because there was two, uh, there was two like committee men walking round. They walked past us to try and get to see who had thrown the, uh, thrown the flare. There was also a streaker, which you know, <laughs> the streaker ran on while everybody else was trying to sort out the flare. So there was a severe lack of stewarding and policing. Really. Um, all and hell broke loose at Barn Hill. <laughs> it did. It all. It did. This streaker ran on. He was on the pitch for like a good like two minutes before anyone got him. I actually think he didn't actually get caught because nobody like ran on the pitch to got him. He could have been on there all day. <laughs> he just got bored and left. <laughs> back in the crowd, like put his clothes back on, <laughs> just like, got away with it. I never saw like because we we ended up standing by the exit because I wanted to get to the Newcastle game afterwards, um, which we won't talk about. <laughs> and like nobody was dragged past us or anything, like by the police or anything. So I think he was. I think he just got away with it. Well, maybe that striker adds a couple of points, or maybe it doesn't. To the atmosphere, Scott, what would you give that? The striker? You mean the striker? The striker, yeah. 
I think there's actually a photo of the speaker in the Times article about the game. Anyway, um, I would give the I would give the atmosphere um, maybe a three. Just <laughs> it was so, just so built up before the game to be like a massive derby, um, and we got there. I would say we got there about half an hour before, uh, and we were like walking around, like seeing a lot of people that we knew, a lot of people that probably shouldn't. I actually saw someone who I know for a fact started a game at three o'clock that day that was like watching the game. Um, you know, this is a very reputable podcast, so I'm not going to reveal his name just in case his manager's listening because I know they're lost. But um, yeah, so everyone and everyone was there, um, but they were making no noise whatsoever. The Gateshead fans made noise for about 10 minutes and then once the game was done, it was just, it was dead. Mm, disappointment. What about food and drink? Did you get anything to... Uh... We did, we did. They were, they were swamped, bless them, with the food. They were, uh, so it was like, you can tell that they clearly normally just like run it out of a van, uh, like at the back of a van, but not like, not like a food van, just like a genuine normal van. Um, so there was a little girl selling uh, cans of Coke and other, <laughs> other soft drink, um, and they served burgers, hot dogs, and I think that was it. Oh no, and a bacon sandwich, which you know it was quite. It was a half twelve kickoff, so some people were still wanting their breakfast. The bacon sandwiches, I think, went down well. I got a hot dog, which um, I wasn't overly impressed with, but you know, mm. it was it was it was nice. And Liam Hannah seriously enjoyed his burger that he got. To be fair, so that was wolf down. <laughs> In terms of drink, um, you know you're at a low level game when they have no plastic cups. So people were generally walking around with pint glasses at the game. <laughs> Brilliant. They're surely not. So score out of ten for food and drink, Lewis. I think for the pint glass. I think because nobody wants a plastic cup, do they? Everyone wants a proper glass. I'm going to give it a couple of marks extra. But my hot dog was a bit disappointing. But they had put a lot of effort in, and they clearly not had to do anything like this before. So I'm going to give it a seven. Lovely. Fair. Yeah. On to the mascot. Was there a mascot? There was not a mascot. Well, there was a mascot in terms of, like, there was a, a little boy that went out. Yeah. But there wasn't. Like there a dressed-up animal sort of thing. I don't think they can afford that, to be honest. So you don't think Dunstan has one? We've not taken this into account, James, in our scoring system what? for a no, club that simply doesn't have one. Doesn't have a mascot? Doesn't have one. Well, wait, this happened last time, didn't it? No, but we went to Altrincham. Oh, I see what you mean. We, we went literally... to Altrincham and they have an as- a mascot, but it just didn't turn up, so we gave it a zero. But can you score something that's not there? Well, that's their own fault for not having a mascot. You've got to have a mascot. This is a very lowly club that doesn't really need a mascot. They normally get like 200 people in. What's the mascot going to do? He's going to feel like people need entertaining. Yeah, they clearly need something to sing about. <laughs> 4-0 down to get, he said. Right, well, well, what should we give it then? A zero? Well, we could try and work out some kind of Duckworth-Lewis Duckworth method of uh, <laughs> of coefficients, but I don't think that's worth it. I think we just give it a zero. Is there nothing else? Could we not give them like an, an extra scoring point? Like something else to score them on? <sighs> we talked about ball, ball boys, didn't we? But I doubt they had any ball boys either. There was no, there was no need for ball boys. To be fair, I mean, a lot of balls went over the fence and into people's gardens. Um, so that someone had to like keep hopping the fence and go into the garden. So I suppose there was a need for a ball boy, but they didn't have any. So we might just have to give that a zero. It seems really harsh because at the minute Dunstan is on a hiding to nothing. 
<laughs> seems so unfair. But um, we'll get to our final category, which is journey. Now, now the journey was good. All right, fill us in. So, um, well, the journey was, in fact, slightly delayed. Um, I did get a lift across the water from my mum and dad, who were going down to High Force, the waterfall, for their 26th wedding anniversary. So shout out to them. But um, Congratulations. Unfortunately, they were late because Liam Hannah was late turning up. Um, to, uh, to to my house to get his lift. So, but then once we got dropped off, we had a lovely walk down. We uh, crossed the A1. It was nice. Um, <laughs> Seen it. Hordes of Dunstan fans. Well, hordes of Gateshead fans really were walking down. I think a lot of people had parked up in Wickham and walked down or got the bus down or something because uh, parking and traffic wasn't really great around the stadium. So we walked down. We saw. It was a beautiful day. It was really sunny. I mean, I came in a coat and then, like, I had to take all of it off and take my jumper off. I was in a T-shirt. Um, and we walked past the park. We saw a lot of kids playing in the park on their bikes in their, in their, in their shell suits. They can only be described as. Uh, <laughs> but you could, really, you could really drink in the atmosphere as you were walking through. And then you walked um, through what can only be described as a, a corrugated iron hut to... Um, which was which acted as a turnstile was with a guy literally just like ripping your ticket in half um, and offering program. But uh, no, I think the journey to the ground was really good. It really got me going for the game. Um, I was really impressed. I would probably give it an eight. Is that a, is that a grand total of twenty three? That is twenty three. Maths has matched, which suggests it's correct. <laughs> so twenty three out of fifty means it is narrowly. The lowest scoring yeah. club so far. To be fair, but Dunstan to be up there competing with the likes of Salford City and Altrincham, I think that I think the, the committee would really be happy with how they perform. <laughs> For the money poured into somewhere like Salford City, uh, you know, with a, a essentially a football league manager Graham Alexander in charge and the ownership that they have, I think to only score a point less than them is yeah, I think that, that's impressive actually. Well, thanks for your. Um, review of the day Lewis is there anything else that happened that you'd like to talk to us about before we go on to our Gateshead old boy um, well yeah um, there were, Dunstan actually had a player who was a spitting image of Sean Scammell <laughs> <laughs> are you sure it wasn't are you absolutely sure it wasn't oh dear oh my, he scored tonight I've just, I've just looked on their Twitter oh he scored from 20 yards tonight to make it 1-1 no, the Dunstan guy is called Jordan Nellis, I've just discovered. Uh, and we were like watching the warm-up, um, as you do. Uh, and they were doing that drill where, you know, you pass it into a coach, the coach then lays it off and then you have a shot. Now, Sean Scannell, or Jordan Nellis, couldn't hit a barn door, but he's, uh, he's scored tonight from 20 yards. So, well, well played to, to Scans. <laughs> and long may it continue there was also just the, the most blatant bit of just just foul play really so there was that like coming together in the in the in the box no not in the box in the halfway line uh, and both players were running back to try and get involved in play and this Dunstan player number four he had a shocking haircut he literally just like put his face in the other guy put his hand no he didn't put his face put his, I'm telling this story horrendously Put his hand in the other guy's eye 
and just pushed. Nearly got, <laughs> it just went down, and everybody saw it, and everybody was like going absolutely ballistic. But uh, the ref, the ref missed it. <laughs> was the ref watching the game at all? Well, the players sort of like gone upfield, and then they were like sort of behind the ref. So I don't, I don't blame the ref for not missing it. Maybe the assistant, you know, they were all mic'd up. Was the ref the striker? Is that what happened? <laughs> Did they not uh, have VAR at uh, Dunstable? Dunstable. <laughs> Dunstan <laughs> There is a bar at Dunstan, yeah. No bar. V A R. This is all. Um, the camera <laughs> the camera was like a little bit of scaffolding and the, the you know like the tape they kept put they put down over the wires. That kept getting lifted up by some some local youths, so which the BBC <laughs> man wasn't particularly happy about, but I don't think they had VAR. They only had one camera there. <laughs> right, well moving on. Rapidly. Every week, we look into a player that started out or had early dealings with a non-league club and then went on to make it in what we're calling the big time. Sometimes it is big time, sometimes it's just the football league. Um, And we try and tie it in with the game that we've been to. In this case, it is the game that Lewis has been to, which was Dunstan against Gateshead. What have you got, James? Well, I've got a man who... According to our sources, was featured in the match day program. That is Lee Novak, who many will remember. He was born in Newcastle, then he played for Gretna up in Scotland, and then Newcastle Blue Star non league team, local in Newcastle, before moving to Gateshead for £3,000. Scored 16 goals in 18 games um, in half of the 2008 season, uh, 2008 2009 season, and then signed for Huddersfield for £150,000. Then he's loaned back to Gateshead for the rest of the season. Ended up scoring 28 and 38. Um, scored a to- total of 42 in 172 for Huddersfield. Probably his most successful spell in the Football League. Then moved to Birmingham, where most people will know him from. Then to Charlton. And now he is at Scunthorpe. And that is Lee Novak. That is Lee Novak, who, like you say, was featured in the programme. Uh, because it was a very good programme, actually. I think Dunstan should maybe get a point or two extra for their programme. Because it was... You know, it's clearly not something that they would generally produce on such a wide scale. Two pounds, it was all it was all proper, like plastic, it wasn't paper. Um, and yeah, it's they had a list of basically Gateshead records, and Lee Novak is the most expensive player Gateshead have ever sold. Wow. £150,000 record sale. £1,000. I think that's like by far their most expensive sale. They sold, um, I remember they sold James Hannant to Port Vale last season. <laughs> And that was a four-figure sum. Wow. a football league club. Big news. Do you remember Lee Novak at Huddersfield, Lewis? I do remember Lee Novak at Huddersfield. He was, um, he was very much like a foil to Jordan Rhodes. So Jordan Rhodes would score all the goals. But Lee Novak would do a lot of the running um, and, you know, do the dirty work, the ugly work, while Jordan Rhodes banged in 42 goals in a League One season. <laughs> Scored twice yesterday for Norwich. Did you? Yeah, it was against Villa, wasn't it? Well done. Um, thank you, Lewis, for your um, recount of the day and for your contributions to Lee Novak. So before you go, who? Well, James, do you, do you know who it is? I have no idea. As expected. I was just, I'm literally trying to wrap my brains around all the people I think have played for Newcastle the last 10 years. I got down to Boom Song was like the most, uh, <laughs> the most rogue person I could think of. But, uh, 
I don't know. I can't. I can't think who this man is. I don't know any South Africans who played in the Premier League besides Stephen Pienaar, as far as I know. So it'll be interesting to see if I recognise the name. All right, come on then, Lewis. Put him out of his misery. The debut was coming on as a substitute for Stephen Pienaar, but that, I might have just made that up. Um, it is Matty Patterson who first <laughs> plays for Wickham, uh, which is my local village. If anyone doesn't know, in Gateshead. Uh, yeah, that's the sort of link we've got not, here. Not the Wickham Wanderers. No, no, not Wickham Wanderers. This is Tim Pot Wickham in Gateshead. <laughs> that's a bit harsh. Wickham's not Tim Pot. This is Wickham in Gateshead. Uh, newly signed from South Shields, uh, with whom he won the FA Bars and numerous promotions and was part of their all-conquering, uh, I think they won the quadruple side, uh, with Julio Walker and several other um, ex-football league players, I think. So, yeah, that's Matty Patterson. Any, any, anyone heard of him? No. I literally never uh, heard of that. No, no chance. Gates said he played 54 times for Gates said scoring four goals. Wow, prolific. In the Blythe spot in South Shields and now Wickham. Told the North East. South, Af- South African lost in the North East. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. He started at Newcastle, went to Norwich, which was where he was both at the time signed by uh, Glenn Roder. Um, and then he went to the Mamelodi Sundowns. <laughs> and then he went to in Engen Santos. And then he went to the Bidvest Vits. Now he's back. Now he's back. <laughs> now he's back. <laughs> right, well, uh, thank you for all of that, Lewis. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Non-League Wanderers. Anytime, mate, anytime. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, well, we'll hear from you next time. Thank you very much, Tara. It's time, Alex, for non-league news. A short one this week, perhaps. Can't wait. No? Good. I literally can't wait. Get on with it. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go first? Because I went first last time. Yeah, all right then. So, mine, I've got two. We're only doing two each this week, can't yeah. we? Yeah. we do three each. Um, Normally, we're doing it once. <laughs> I don't know how interesting my news are, so I tried to pad it out with extra facts. Okay. Well. What I went for with my first bit of news was that... Um, Last week, FC United and Manchester appointed their new manager because they've been without one since August. They've appointed Neil Reynolds to take over. They've been looking for a manager since the end of last season. He's just signed a three-year contract. He had just signed a three-year contract at Bamber Bridge, Reynolds, but they uh, found a satisfactory fee to prize him away from the club. He is also a headmaster of South Shore Academy in Blackpool while he takes up his role as... Headmaster? Yeah. He's headmaster of uh, Academy in Blackpool and now manager of FC United of Manchester. His his task is to save the club from relegation at the moment, really. Yeah. They're, they're second from bottom. They're in the straight, aren't they? Absolutely. But it, from the stands, he watched them away at Kidderminster Harriers on Saturday and they won 2-1. Kidderminster Harriers are second. So whether Magic. there's some sort of honeymoon period before he's even come into the club... Um, we will see but he, he said in interviews that he wants to get FC United promoted next season but he understands that this season it's very much staving off relegation so my first bit of news is that FC United Manchester have got a brand new manager I wonder what his pedigree is he's been round the block in the non-league clubs he played a lot of non-league football himself as well 
knows his stuff. Yeah. Well, my first bit of non-league news is that England C, the country's national team made up of non-league players, will take on Wales's C team at the Peninsula Stadium on the 19th of March, 2019. Should we go? Yeah, let's go. Right, okay. Go on. That's that. Oh, that's it. that. Is that oh, it's just been announced recently, so I well, thought that's, that's really I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, of course it is, yeah. It's been going I remember um, Grant Holt, I think, banged a few for the England C team a while ago. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a breeding ground for some good players. There's a, a lad who plays for Shrewsbury. He scored a hat trick earlier in October. Forget his name. He scored uh, for England C last time they played. So, you know, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good place to showcase your talent. Oh, very exciting. My second bit of news is that North Ferriby are now 13 without a win. <laughs> wow. They have just one win in 16 games this season as they face a third straight relegation. Crikey. So, they drew 2-2 at Buxton. An away point isn't the end of the world, but it is, as I say, 13th game without a win. If they get relegated, they'd go down to the Northern Counties East Football League, currently in the Northern <laughs> Premier League. Wow. A co- just a couple of years ago, North Ferriby United absolutely flew to the heights of non-league football, getting into the National League with Billy Heath at the helm. But it all went downhill from there. Once he got them relegated... Heath left them for Halifax and then raided them. Oh, that's the worst. For their best players. Steve Hoosham took over. He got them... Re- well, not he got them relegated. They, they couldn't stave off relegation. They went down back into the National League North after just one season there. He was then sacked. They got taken over by new owners who sacked him immediately, um, sort of citing their previous year's relegation as the reason for it, as well as the fact that they hadn't started the season too well. Um, I had no players well, oh, well exactly and Chris Boulder then took over for the for the majority of the National League North season he's still there now but they got relegated again in the uh, in the spring so that's two consecutive relegations and they're now rock bottom wow so maybe a third maybe a third relegation maybe a third manager leaving who knows in, in that in that rollercoaster really padded your bits out of you you make him look. You make him look amateur over here. No, but yours are more, yours more interesting. You that, that England one was far more interesting well, than FC United having a new <laughs> You may reassess that opinion <laughs> after this bit of news. Dulwich Hamlet are returning to their home at Champion Hill after spending the season at Tooting and Mitcham's Imperial Fields over a dispute over rent. So uh, Tooting and Mitcham invited them in. Very nice of them to to play at, at uh, Imperial Fields. And now they're being able to return to their, their true home. They're back home. Back home. Like White Hart Lane. Yeah. Back home. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, what we've done... So I, is that the end of your fact? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, quite okay. What you decided we should do, James, is instead of a third non-league news each, we should pick an FA Cup first round game that we're interested in. Yes, we should. We've already mentioned a few. Mm. Rochdale... Uh, Gateshead. Would you like to start? Yes, I would. Um, I was considering maybe picking Shrewsbury Salford, considering uh, where we are, where we've been in that, but we've given them a bit too much coverage. So I've gone for Morecambe, the lead team, against either Warrington or Halifax. Two teams we've mentioned before on the podcast as possible destinations for us to go visit. So I'll be interested to see, firstly, out who wins the replay between Warrington and Halifax, and that replays at Cantilever Park. And then, then uh, how they do against Morecambe. Well, let's see. 
Let's see how that unfolds. I've gone for... I was so tempted by Metropolitan Police versus Newport County just because I enjoyed the idea of a police force (laughs) invading a part of Wales. Uh, But I didn't get for them, unfortunately. I did have a little look into Metropolitan Police uh, because I was unaware of their history. And they do get their name from the fact that uh, it was originally made up of of all policemen. As you expect. Um, In Surrey, it is. I actually went for Bury against Dover Athletic. Wow. And I went for that because it's a long way away. It's a long way day, that isn't it, for the Dover fans. The Dover fans are, of course, the um, non-league contingent. They are currently second from bottom in the National League. And much like North Ferriby, they have one win in 16 games. Wow. Uh, whereas Bury are just a point behind the playoffs in League 2. So you couldn't really get two more... Uh, t- much more of a gap uh, in league standings, but also between the two stadiums, it's 291 miles. So a 582 round trip for the um, Dover fans. That is measured between Crabble Stadium and Gig Lane. <laughs> Gig Lane. And there might be some Northwest-based Dover fans. You never know. You never know. So we'll have to look out for that one and all the non-league clubs that are involved in the FA Cup first round. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some in the third round, maybe playing a, a Premier League team. That would be really good. We usually get a handful through, don't we? So just before we go, we'll just let you know that this weekend we're going to be at Stockport County against Nuneaton Town. We will be. Are you looking forward to that? Very much so. I've been to Edgley Park once before. I have not been, in ever. In memory. Yes, so we're uh, looking forward to it, yeah. Fantastic. We've not bigged up Mainstand Musings yet. Oh, no. So, so just before we go, we'll have to say, check out all the other content, our old podcasts, a couple of my old articles on there, a couple of your articles about other things, not non-league based, are on there, and loads of other fantastic content. Ah, what's the website, James? Mainstandmusings.wordpress.com Glad you could remember it. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. ta